to the Heads Up Podcast. I am Jason Rogers, the head of school of Rundle College Society, and I'll be your host for this season's episode. With each new podcast, we hope to explore interesting topics relating to Rundle College student, faculty, and parent life. This season, you'll hear interviews with faculty, parents, alumni, students, and educational experts. Each episode will aim to provide an insight and context to the happenings in and around our community. Thank you for joining me and everybody in the Rumble College Society on this journey, and I hope you enjoy this Rumble experience. Welcome back to the Heads Up Podcast. Uh, couldn't be more excited to do this podcast today because uh, the way I see it, we're introducing a brand new idea to the world potentially and exploring what that can look like. So what the idea is, is it's the learning studio at Rundle. And the whole impetus behind the learning studios, if you can imagine a test kitchen, we talked about this a little bit at our professional development day. At a test kitchen, uh, chefs will often go in and try out new ideas and they get feedback on them right away. So potentially you could put it into a, a more established restaurant as a staple dish. Well, we started to think about classrooms as being test kitchens. What if we had the opportunity to go in and test out different learning spaces and learning design uh, with the opportunity of you know, getting immediate feedback and then changing our own learning spaces based on what we learned? So as we put this out, I, there's a call for proposals. We had uh, about eight Rundle College teachers step up and be willing to take on the challenge. Uh, by taking on the challenge, they had the opportunity to work with uh, a design group to talk about what is uh, design thinking and how that that might impact their thinking about a classroom. They got to work with an architect and some designing uh, workshops. They were able to work with different furniture companies and look at research around classroom design, everything from the wall color to uh, whiteboards to different uses of technology, and then started to build out the dream classrooms. And we had great support from people like Steelcase and RGO here in Calgary and Matrix Audiovisual who are, who are making all of this possible. And I'm happy to announce that we've just recently finished our first uh, visit in the learning studio. And our very own Mr. John Long, who's with me here today, is, uh, is the teacher who was in there for roughly about six weeks and just recently has ended his stint in the learning studio and has moved back to his old classroom. And I was just in there today and, and he's got uh, several changes in there already and I'm sure there's more changes to come. So without any further ado, John, thanks for joining me today. Oh no, thank you. I'm really happy to sort of uh, speak about uh, my experiences in there because I think uh, it's a really amazing piece we're doing and, and almost sort of like world leading in terms of how we're developing classroom for the future. Cool. And I think uh, to unpack a lot of what we did in there, I mean, John, you and I have had conversations along the way about, you know, what is the kids experience and what have we learned? And I think there's a few real surprising uh, takeaways and looking forward to sharing them here today. And then hopefully doing a podcast with each of the people who, you know, enter and exit the learning studio to figure out what what our learnings are. So let's uh, let's just jump right into it, John, if you're ready. Absolutely. Okay, so let's hit, hit the first question I have here for, for you is, before you moved into the learning studio, um, you thought you were going to learn what? And then following up, did you learn that? So my biggest piece was around, you know, I'm really intrigued about questioning and, and really finding the impact of learning. So one of the big uh, pieces I wanted to identify is, you know, 
how can I actually teach in that environment and what impact am I going to have on my teaching? And then the second was, you know, how could I create this self-efficacy for these students to really want to learn mm-hmm. and would the classroom have that impact too? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, do you feel like you accomplished, did you get answers to your questions? And what kind of things did you do to you know, change the student's self-efficacy and, and their learning in the space? So my, my big piece was really making this environment as comfortable as possible. So mm-hmm. the whole premise around there was different ways of they could feel comfortable. So right. I utilized seating arrangements that could be movable. It was really a mobile type classroom where students could pick what they where they wanted to learn mm-hmm. and then be willing to sort of show their learning uh, through the technology piece. And I think the question often comes to the surface, John, is like if you give kids opportunity to, to pick their seating arrangement away from the traditional seating plan, if you will, and just pick where they want to learn. We fear that they'll take advantage of this opportunity and, and use it as an opportunity to be distracted. Um, what, what was your experience in allowing kids to pick their learning spaces? Yeah, my, the key piece around that, I set, up, I set up the actual classroom you know, parameters, which was, look, this isn't a racetrack because we had a lot of movable chairs right. and movable pieces. Yeah. And then really said, look, it's, you've got to show me what, what you're learning. At any point, I need to be able to say, right, show me what you are. And using that uh, Apple TV to go, here's what I'm doing. Show it to the class, show it to me, and be comfortable within that environment. And I think for our listeners, can you paint them a bit of a picture as to like, what are the core principle changes that you made in the space? Like what, what were the furniture elements? What were the technology elements? Uh, what changes did you did you implement? So the, the, I had two big ideas. The first one was having uh, a wall surrounded with whiteboards. Right. Just so I could, A, get them to write on the board and be standing up. And the second piece was then utilizing technology um, uh, for social studies to really see real world events. So for instance, we did the fur trade. So I wanted to utilize them thinking about a voyager's experience going down a rapid and them stopping on that rapid and really feeling right what do i do now down this rapid could i really show that utilizing technology and would they really have an impact on their learning for that yeah yeah and i think if you were to see john's classroom what you'd see is uh, whiteboards everywhere first of all you had whiteboards all the way around the room for the most part Lots of movable furniture, which you'd see in the steel case suite of furniture, um, the node chairs, for instance, different heights and levels of learning. And then one really interesting application was the, instead of shooting a projector, uh, I guess, at a wall, John, you decided to shoot a projector at the floor and create digital images uh, as kids were able to walk on it. And how did that work uh, for your students? Yeah, so, I mean, my premise around it was just looking at CTV and their their sort of weather piece that right. was on the floor. So that was the key piece behind it. And then the second was the idea of this huddle, obviously working with rugby, having this huddle where, you know, you have everybody right. looking at an object and right. they can jump in and move around. Yeah. So I had the idea of utilising this for um, the rapid going down you know could i actually show them oh this is how i would do it Mm -hmm. 
you know, looking down on a Google Earth and looking down on, you know, the Renaissance area and, and have them, could I actually walk around yeah. this virtual piece yeah. and say, I want to see what that looks like. Oh, I really like that. And then bounce that question of why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that really sort of intrigued me. And the kids loved it. We yeah. utilised the iPad and Google Earth where they could plot yeah. where they did. You know, some of them wanted to portage and then some of them wanted to actually go down the rapid and then having this visual screen of, well, this is what the actual river, French river is like. And they showed a, and I showed a canoe going down the Red River and this light bulb moment of, we don't need to portage. This river is actually, you know, 40 foot wide. Yeah. We can go down the river and save ourselves three hours of portage. Yeah, yeah. Just that yeah. initial piece. And you ask the students now and they go, that's what they remember. Yeah. Oh, I should never have portaged. That would have taken so long. Yeah, yeah. And that for me was bingo light bulb. Yeah, yeah. And that for me was so exciting. And then being able to think about, well, where else can we use it? Can we utilize it in the Renaissance period? You know, can we walk around the Aztecs upper temple and do those pieces where you can't even see a temple anymore yeah you know so yeah. that virtual reality piece yeah where they can interact with one another while siri yeah well this actually is reality that for me was the big technology wow and i think i, I think you hit on a couple things there first of all uh, changing their perspective while they're learning you know and even if it's just the physicality of standing up and looking at the floor as opposed to looking at the wall is a, is a huge shift in perspective, yeah. I think, for kids. And I think for you, changing your perspective, uh, I, I've had this question several times when we think about the learning studio. Um, and for our listeners, I'll just give a bit of context. So teachers are required to leave their classroom and go to a brand new empty classroom, which they design from scratch. Uh, and then when they're done, they go back to their other classroom. But the idea is that it's an uh, immersion experience for the teacher. So they don't have any, anything familiar as they move into the, the new learning studio. And if, if I'm correct, I think it's about perspective too, because I think it changes your perspective on your teaching as you move into an absolute blank slate. Uh, John, would you say that that was your experience as you moved from the classroom that you've been in for several, several years now into a blank slate? Was that beneficial or is that... Oh, it was massively beneficial. I think the key piece to me was realising that I'm going to a brand new environment that, A, I've got to have these this planned. I really need to know where I want to go. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and how I'm going to go there. Yeah. And it might take another direction. You know, that's my teaching pedigree. Yeah. But having that piece is, you know what, this is the achievement behind it. And and then going, well, all these teachers that see me in that environment, you know, can they ask me, of what do you learn out of it? How can I develop my teaching environment? Yeah. And that for me was a big piece. And I, I mean, I really felt strongly about, you know, having those windows to watch what I'm doing. Yeah. Be under the spotlight and go, here it is. This is what I've done. Yeah. There's what I, I thought great went well. And my review piece of, you know what, that didn't work so well. Yeah, and I think taking some of the John Hattie making learning visible uh, philosophy or energy, we've taken this classroom, and again, for our listeners who aren't aware of it, we, it's right at the heart of our school, where literally every student eats lunch in our great hall, and there are uh, basically eight-foot windows looking in on, on the classroom. And so it's a real studio where teachers, students, everybody's looking in and seeing this innovative instruction taking place and you're a bit on display yeah um as you're on display and I, it's a question that is a natural question did you find that your kids were distracted 
by having the glass wall there? Or were they able to maintain their focus in that space? So I create the way I created the environment was making sure that those glass walls were in an environment. So if you think you if you're in this square shaped box on two sides, there's these glass walls, and then on two sides there's these um, whiteboards. Mm-hmm. With a with a with a corner focus of his big screen TV, mm-hmm. really, if they're really involved in the whiteboards yeah. on either side, and then they're visualizing back to this screen in one of the corners, they really don't see that that the person looking in yeah. to that environment. They just see a whiteboard in front of me, and my peers looking in and to see what I'm writing, and my teacher going checking what I'm writing and how I'm writing it. And I think, you know, they really started to think about how they wrote stuff. You know, was it clear enough for me to then take a picture on this iPad and then go, right, I'm going to push it to Google Classroom so they can review it later. So it really wasn't a distraction because of the way it was set up. It's purely anecdotal from my standpoint, but I walk by it almost on a daily basis and looked in all the time because of my my curiosity. And... uh, Never once did I feel like I was creating a diversion for the kids because they were so engaged in the learning that, that was taking place in the classroom. Um, so when we talk about learning, John, we talk a little bit about teaching habits. And I think part of the learning studio is uh, thinking about our teaching habits and shifting them, you know, because the evolution of, of our practice, I think, is really important. And so I just bounce it back to you. As you've been reflecting since you've left the learning studio, uh, what teaching habits have shifted for you and from where to where have you experienced that at all as a result yeah there's 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 two areas that really sort of stuck out for me the first one is um my desk i decided to have this movable desk um, with a stand-up two-tier and try and get rid of the chair and for me just getting rid of that chair meant i was walking around i was able to actually engage with them you know because mm-hmm. you almost some of the times the kids wanted to come to your de- come to your desk and actually sit down and go, well, that, well, now I was standing up. Yeah. We could have this conversation and I was finding myself going to the whiteboard now and going, mm-hmm. okay, let's, have, let's, let's write it down there. Right. What are your thoughts? Right. And that for me was just, you know, that aha moment is almost that goodwill hunting, you know, when yeah. they're working yeah. on the board together. Of course. Doing those pieces together. It was just like, well, now I'm doing this. I'm working with this student here. But everybody else in that environment can actually see, oh yeah, and you'd see students come afterwards, oh, what did you do with Mr. Long? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I can see that. And that for me was like, yeah, yeah. I do not need to sit down. If yeah. I'm now going <laughs> to there, I'm writing it on the board. Yeah. I'm writing questions on the board now. I'm going to different bouncing areas off. Yeah. And even when we do a review of our, what was on the board, I'm going, okay, what's missing? Yeah. Can anyone go up there and write on the board? So now this kid's coming up on the board while I'm writing stuff and going, oh, you missed this, Mr. Long. I'm like, oh, great idea. And it really triggered discussion. That's cool. I think, you know, I think what's interesting is oftentimes talk about what we can add to a classroom to create an experience. And in your first example here, John, you've actually just talked about what you removed from a classroom. You know, you've, you've a constraint and you've created this opportunity by removing the teacher desk you've created these opportunities for engagement and personalization and learning all the things that we we aspire to be in instruction. Yeah. The second piece was more for my benefit because uh, really the students felt that the whiteboards and the the movable chairs were the main piece was this idea of this Apple type, this iCloud piece Mm -hmm. where 
you know, a kid could ask me a question and automatically I'd have my iPad in my hand and go, okay, let's just have a look at this and I could go show them this. So for an instance, we were talking about the Hudson Bay timeline. Automatically I brought the Hudson Bay Heritage timeline on yeah. their side and go, look, have a look at this. Yeah. And boom, it was straight on a widescreen. Yeah. The kid who'd asked the question could see it. Yeah. And I real time didn't have to go to my computer. Yeah. Check around here. Yeah. Plug in. So that transition yes. was huge. Yeah. It just diminished the transition. We had real time feedback for this student. Yeah. Same with a video. Oh yeah, I've got this video. Here you go, here's a video, go and watch it. Yeah. And they could go over, watch it, and then go, what do you think of the video? Was it any good? Yeah. Or my biggest one was was having one of the one of those grade seven students go, well, I still don't understand it. Find me a video that's done this. Within five minutes, he'd find an amazing video, much better than mine. Yeah, yeah. Put it up on the screen, and we watched it. Yeah. Perfect. The yeah. kid's engaged now. He's found something that he understands, and now we had some other kids that really loved the idea. And now it's on, on there, and it was on the seniorial system. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was just a nice, easy piece. They found it. And that, for me, was transitions. I'm not trying to... Yeah wander around so that that was me personally yeah students really thought oh this is just normal yeah you know yeah. this is just an easy <laughs> yeah. piece but for me it was huge and i'm finding that now yeah not having that 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 apple tv ready to go just yet yeah. you know is coming in i'm having to go and plug in and and i'm losing and i yeah. feel i'm losing yeah. that that yeah. key that key interaction I think uh, there's something you said about transitions and the smoothness of transitions and the ubiquity of good technology. And I think the Apple TV is a really good solution that allows you to be mobile yeah. and active in the classroom and be able to, you know, when you need the technology, it's ready and available and ready to go. And I think that's a huge takeaway. Um, I think a, a related but unrelated question is, uh, John, I know we've done a lot of surveys uh, with the kids afterwards in their learning now. Um, and you and I both have had at least a surface look at these surveys. Was there anything uh, that surprised you in the student feedback uh, as we surveyed them about what they thought about the learning or what was the best part of the learning experience for them? Yeah, so one of the, one of the things I felt was really important to me was the lighting. Yeah. And I felt, you know, going into a really bright environment, yeah. you know, would come in to learn they really didn't feel anything about the lighting. They recognized it. Yeah, yeah. But it didn't but change the game for them. But they said it didn't impact okay. their learning. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that was my key piece. And then, you know, their, the big screen TV, I thought, you know, yeah. would be fantastic. That wasn't the biggest impact. Yeah, that was, yeah. Most of them had it as their secondary impact. Yeah, You yeah. know, that was the second biggest piece of it. Yeah. Really wasn't. Nothing really there. And then the biggest one, which... Was, was was one of the pieces I thought would be really good was the movable desks. Yeah, yeah. That had the least amount of impact. <laughs> yeah, it's and, so curious, right? And, and I felt that would probably, you know, when I was designing the room, yeah. them being able to move their desks around and still be right would be a huge piece to it. But it, they didn't want that. No. They wanted that static desk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that conformity around it. Yeah. And so, so we've talked about the things that they were secondary they didn't like. What was the thing that they liked most? Like if you were to you could summarize in one or two things that they said impacted their learning the most, what did kids say? Movable chairs. Yeah. The movable chairs were the number one piece Yeah. on everything. They loved the idea of being able to move around, just move around to where they wanted to go. They didn't yeah. and feel comfortable in it. So that 
was massive. And then the whiteboards as well were their second biggest impact. They love yeah. the idea of standing up and writing. So to be clear, they like being able to move in their desks. So the way the node chairs swivel and are able to move because they've got wheels on them so they could easily group. But the idea of movable furniture, like desks and that sort of thing, wasn't that interesting. Not so, at all. So they'd prefer to have static furniture but movable chairs, yeah. more or less. And uh, yeah, the whiteboards, as I read the survey data, um, was really interesting. You know, I would definitely be a big advocate for the more writable space, the better, based on what the kids are saying, at least. Oh, very much so. And, and I, like I said, I, I'd, I'd use whiteboards a lot, but with that now, it's, it's even more. It's, it's part of my review process. Yeah. It's even part of my introduction now. You know, when they come in the classroom now, the first thing I do is, okay, I put out what's competent, about what's your challenge. Right, get in small groups, talk about it, put it on the board. Yeah. Tell me what you need. Yeah. yeah. And that, for me, has been really insightful. That's cool. And I'd like to, you know, years ago we started using whiteboards. I've been toying with this idea of the power of impermanence. And... Uh, when I was a kid, we did everything in pen because that was always the highest order. Like if you had a pen, you passed the pen test, it means you're a pretty good learner. But it was a permanent record of success or failure. Uh, you know, the red X or the check mark. Um, so to take chances was always a bit of a risk because it could be a wrong answer then it's there forever. But I think where the power of whiteboards come in is a, I always call it the principle of impermanence in the fact that you could take multiple chances at you know, being successful or being right and if you're not right, you just delete them. Yeah. And nobody ever sees it. And so I think there's something about impermanence which allows kids to take chances, which we know is extremely important in learning and development. And so I think that's what you're experiencing there, maybe on a level. Yeah, definitely. So what we've always done is once they've written that information out, we'll go and do a review and say, okay, what was the most significant? So I yeah. always want him to tell me, you know, especially with social studies, what do you think is the most significant impact and why? Yeah. My why question is always up there. And then, okay, what do we want to take away? What don't we need? Yeah. yeah. Let's get rid of it. Right. And then I want you just to add one thing you feel is important that isn't on there. Yeah. And you can use your textbooks. You can use what you've done before and find something. Brilliant. Have five minutes now and it cut just one thing. And then I, I use that. I said, I'm going to take that photo now and we'll put it on classroom and then it's there for that review. You got it. And then you can take your pack afterwards. So it. I've really worked on that, getting them to, no, we don't need this. This isn't significant. Yeah. Get rid of it. What are the key pieces? Right. And then they come back and they have real clarity around what they want to review. Yeah, it's a... Yeah, it's real-time, tactile learning with feedback and ubiquity and uh, the technology integration as you're demonstrating through the Google Classroom and the capturing of those non-permanent uh, pieces too. And wow, I, you know, and I think as we close up the podcast, um, like I feel a lot of momentum in your professional practice uh, and in your learning. And for me, you know, at, at, at Rundle, I'm curious about uh, transference all the time. Like how do we transfer what we've got there to hear and how do we keep the momentum? So the question I want to close with is uh, how will you maintain the momentum of change you know, in the coming months and years in your practice of teaching? Yeah, I, there's, there's, there's one key element that I am going to do and that is get rid of my desk. Yeah, yeah. I don't even yeah. want my desk there anymore. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's almost such an inhibitor yeah. for me now to, it's, 
I can I feel I can have much more impact by actually standing up one-on-one -on -one with them and then bring in other students yeah so for me I'm gonna I'm just gonna get rid of it good really do because I think I'm I'm now in that area. and I used to, and I walk around a lot anyway. Yeah, I'm yeah. a bit of a fidgeter. <laughs> but that desk is such an inhibitor to me. Yeah. It's huge. And I and I'm gonna use their desk. I'll sit down next to them and go that and go into that environment. That's huge. Well John, uh, personally and, and on from Rundle I wanna thank you for uh, taking a chance to be the first into the learning studio. Thanks for uh, you know, taking this opportunity and, and really doing it well and uh, I hope that we continue change practice. Like I, ho I hope we continue to learn uh, about good teaching practice through, through this experiment and maybe others. So, uh, thanks for taking the time today, and thanks for uh, doing the learning studio. Oh, my pleasure.